0: Welcome to the Sensory Change Podcast, where we learn to think differently as a community supporting sensory kids at all levels. We share all sensory matters through discussions and interviews with experts in the field to get practical ideas and simple strategies to implement in day-to-day life. Here is your host and author of Against the Odds, Dana Latta.
1: Adam Ockleford is a professor of music at the University of Roehampton and director of the Applied Music Research Centre. He has over 30 years' experience of working with children and young people with special musical abilities or needs and is active as a researcher, writer, speaker and composer. His book, Music, Language and Autism, Exceptional Strategies for Exceptional Minds, published in 2013 by Jessica Kingsley. Hello, Professor.
2: Hello how are
1: you i'm good very good so uh, could you tell us how you got engaged in helping children with special needs
2: yeah i was um, many years ago i mean many years ago i was um, a music student in london and my landlady's son um, happened to work at a school for the blind in um, in wandsworth and he said you must come along and see these children they you know they're amazingly musical so i managed to put it off for a bit <laughs> not really believing him and then I, I i went along and um i was absolutely amazed that the children just used music like um almost like breathing you know they were such natural musicians they could all play by ear they could had all good got, got good memories and really music for them was just such fun and although i didn't realize it at the time, a lot of them actually were were on the autism spectrum
1: uh-huh. and uh, people are familiar with your wonderful successes. Derek might want to know how did you teach him as he didn't let you touch the piano at first
2: uh, yeah lots of I do a lot of work with young autistic children and you well very often usually they have they have their own preferred ways of doing things which which usually involves um Doing things without being, you know, without having interference from adults showing them how to do things. So um, I learned a lot by working with Derek, and I think the one of the big um, sort of tips, really, that that I have coming out of that is that we each had our own keyboard to play, uh-huh. which which meant that um, you know I didn't have to kind of trespass on his territory, and that that helped a lot. And it also meant we could play. Kind of copying games, imitating games, because I could play a note on or a chord or a tune on my keyboard, and he could play it on his without sort of getting in each other's way. And so gradually, I mean, it took about a year, but gradually, um, you know, we learned. I think he learned that actually having someone else to make music with could be good fun. Uh, And what did you learn from him? (laughs) Well, I learned. I learned not to make assumptions about people because all the children I've ever worked with are all quite distinct and quite different. And so the sort of things I'd done with other children didn't necessarily work very well with Derek. For example, I'd worked with a boy called Philip who was very interested in numbers. And for him, the number of notes in a tune and the number of notes in a chord was really important. But for Derek, he doesn't really have a good sense of number so um that was that wasn't going to work with him and also derek when he was little didn't really have much useful language so everything had to be had to be done through music and i think what derek taught me above all is 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 not to talk too much when you're teaching yeah, yeah. just do things and um and the children will engage with you if you start having to explain what you're doing to a young autistic child, then probably you've you've sort of missed the point.
1: Uh-huh. And what do you feel were most the struggles you had with Sterek?
2: Yeah, it was it's tricky. It's very tricky. Um especially I think at the beginning when he when he really didn't didn't see the point of having a relationship with someone else t- to share his music with. But I think in the end he um he was he just got caught up in In the fun that you can have bouncing ideas back and forth and copying each other and teasing each other through sound, and in the end he um you know he he it became his way of relating to other people
1: yeah it's extremely interesting i mean um for us, what worked in communication was something called floor time, which is basically following your child's lead,
2: but you sure.
1: do it in other ways, like
2: you did it. Yeah, no, it's very much um, very much flow, you know, what psychologists call being in a state of flow. And I think that means when, you're, when your brain's relaxed and you're totally engaged in something. And autistic children are great at getting into their own state of flow, but um, they find it sometimes harder to allow someone else to join in their, their flow. And I think music is a great way of doing that, partly because unlike language music doesn't tell you what to do it doesn't tell you off you know it doesn't say stop doing that stop doing that it's just like a language of play so it's a kind of safe space for autistic children to get into a state of flow with other people and it's amazing how well they can concentrate little children who tend to run around all the time once they start making music with someone sometimes they'll concentrate for hours on end which is Fantastic to see.
1: I heard you saying that, you know, like everybody is musical and you can learn it. And mm-hmm. a lot of autistic kids have got a problem with the rhythm. So how do you go about it?
2: Right. Um actually I haven't I haven't noticed autistic children having a particular problem with rhythm, but that's interesting. Um I think um, with with any child who's who's trying to pick something up, it's a question of doing what, you know, Vygotsky would have called scaffolding. So it's a question of providing just enough support to help the child do something, but without kind of dominating them. So when I work with children, I don't work hand over hand, I work hand under hand. So that they put their hands on my hands perhaps to feel a rhythm or a pulse or a beat. And that way, if they're not comfortable, they can take their hand away. Whereas you see a lot of teaching assistants and teachers in special schools, they all kind of grab the hands of the children to to show them what to do. And for autistic children, that can be very um, unpleasant. I mean, unpleasant for anyone, but particularly unpleasant for autistic children who might be very sensitive to touch. So I think it's really important when you you do co-active movements that the child is always in control.
1: Uh uh-huh. and in can you share some of the strategies you mention in your book to help with music
2: yeah sure so i think one of the most underrated things that all children do is just to listen there's a huge temptation with the way that education is structured with targets and assessments and things that children have to join in with things as soon as possible but actually a at least a third of our musical experience is purely listening and i think it's incredibly valuable for children to have the opportunity just to watch and to listen to what other people are doing and then join in when they're comfortable and that might take weeks or it might take months but kind of trying to coerce someone into joining a a group a singing group or you know to do rhythmic work together might might not be the best strategy it might put the child off altogether so i think First of all, allowing the child to observe and to listen is really important. I think then finding the things that interest the child are also very important. So if they're really interested in a particular thing on YouTube or a particular game on their iPad that has a special rhythm or tune associated with it, then I might well start by playing around with that idea musically, perhaps playing the rhythm on a drum or playing the tune on the piano, because that might be a way of hooking the child in to something that um, you know something they haven't experienced before like like a musical instrument but by using something familiar that might be a sort of safe stepping stone for them so i think being child-centered is is incredibly important and going with the child's motivations i think being very patient and not expecting things to happen too quickly is also very important some children make very very rapid progress others um, need time to develop skills and ideas and it's incredibly important to go at the child's pace so um some children love to do things really fast some love to do it really slow and very often sometimes you see ineffective teaching going on when the when the teacher's trying to um you know make the make the child do something at a speed that you can tell they're either bored with because it's too slow or it's too fast and they they, they just can't keep up so i think a sense of pace of learning is really incredibly important.
1: Exactly. And your book's name is Music, Language and Autism. Can you explain that relationship between the three?
2: Yeah. So um, in neurotypical people, um, language and music are served by different parts of the brain, although there is some overlap, psychologists think. Um, I think in some autistic children maybe five percent or so um i i don't think they distinguish in the same way between music and language in their brain so i think they may well be processing language when they're little as music and you can examples of that include things like echolalia so children repeat words without really understanding them but when they repeat them they almost use them in a musical sense so what they do Rather sounds like music, and there's other research that says that some autistic children, when they listen to you talk, they might be listening to the quality of your voice, to the ups and downs of your of the pitch of your voice, rather than attending to the actual meaning of the words. So, I think there's a danger sometimes that people think autistic children are listening and understanding, whereas in actual fact they're they're listening to something rather different in your voice.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And um you researched about uh, visu- visually impaired kids and um, could you tell us about your findings and how's it connected to music
2: sure yeah so um i've done a lot of work with children who can't see at all so uh, educationally blind and um it it seems that when they're little their brains wire themselves up in a different way so sound becomes much more important than vision and the way they attend to sound is much more um, concerned with the qualities of the sound rather than the function so they might be terribly interested in the humming of a tumble dryer or a microwave or a car engine and straight away you can say oh that's just the same as my autistic child and so it happens that blind children and autistic children can share a lot of common features in terms of the way they think about things the way they remember things and sometimes the way they relate to other people as well
1: Mm -hmm. and um, have have you you checked like how the rewiring kind of worked after being exposed to music
2: yeah i mean they there's Very little neuroscientific evidence with autistic children because they don't, particularly the the children with learning difficulties, because they don't tend to cooperate to go into scanners and things. What we can see is um, is when, as the children become more proficient at music, very often their social skills improve, their language skills improve, their concentration improves. And so we see that music is not only helpful and fun in its own right it can also be a a brilliant strategy in its own in its own right for um, those working with young autistic children in particular
1: as you know a lot of children on the autistic spectrum have uh, still primitive reflexes that were supposed to disappear and they are a barrier for the development so yeah. once yeah. the primitive reflexes disappear, it would be much easier, for example, to learn music or to learn other things.
2: Right. Yeah. I don't know if, if we um, ever lose our primitive auditory reflexes. I'm not sure it's possible to train them out. Um, you know, so for example, if someone drops a, <clears throat> drops a tray of cutlery next to you, you will have a, a shock response. And I'm not sure you could ever um, you could ever get rid of that. I mean, you can make obviously by exposure you can make autistic children more resilient to particular sounds that they may find um, difficult or distressing. Um, but on the whole, um, the, the reflexes I'm not sure one can actually alter. The learnt responses you can alter through um, through sort of gentle exposure and through gradually increasing a stimulus for example or by putting stimuli in contexts that the children feel comfortable with so with difficult sounds say the sound of um, an underground train or something um, it's possible perhaps to watch that on 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 a computer first so the child can get used to it and perhaps turn the volume up a bit at a time so they they become accustomed to the squeal of the brakes and the hiss yeah. and so
1: on. And now, uh, often, special needs kids get frustrated easily and can't express themselves. Mm. So, how can music help?
2: Yeah, well, music is a great way of expressing your emotions. Um, it can you can express annoyance, anger, frustration, and sometimes you see children do that when they. Bang the piano keyboard or, or, or shout um, with their voice rather than sing, and I always say to parents, actually, that's that's fine. You know, don't don't worry, the piano won't get harmed. <coughs> and actually, it's much better that the child, a, it's important that they convey that they're upset or annoyed and don't bottle it up, and b, actually, it's much better for them to express their feelings through music rather than, for example, through hitting someone or throwing something. Um, but also music can in itself we know that it affects the, the, the brain by releasing hormones that give us pleasure like oxytocin for example and so when we listen to music um, it actually literally has a therapeutic effect okay. and makes us feel better
1: Yeah, makes us feel so much better
2: <laughs>
1: and um, you work with some charities that help Young
2: people, could you tell us a bit about your charities? Yeah, so about 25 years ago, I set up the Amber Trust, and the Amber Trust supports um, visually impaired children in their pursuit of music. So we give awards for um, lessons, for sometimes for music therapy sessions, for instruments, for specialist technology, for travel, for concert tickets, and so on. Um, And a lot of the The children we give grants to are actually on the autism spectrum as well. It's quite common. Um, Recently, we set up a new service called Little Amber. And this means when practitioners go into uh, families' homes who've just had a blind baby or a blind toddler. And um, our practitioners show parents the kind of things that uh, might work well in terms of using music to relate to their child. And we run a similar scheme for older children with more complex needs called Amber Plus. The good news is that um, I have got a PhD student looking into doing the same thing for children on the autism spectrum. So hopefully in the future, we'll have a service for families of young autistic children, um, whereby we have online musical resources and games and things that they can just use with their child to to help them in all sorts of different ah. ways so could you tell us the name of the website where people can Yeah, you can have the amber trust materials now and they're all free if you just go to amber trust all one word a-m-b-e-r-t-r-u-s-t dot org uh, and follow the links either to little amber or to amber plus um you can sign up for free there's no charge and and there's lots of materials there that parents or teachers or anyone therapists can download and use for free
1: thank you very much for your time and for the wonderful explanations
2: great pleasure
1: and um, i look forward to hearing more about these services given to children on the autistic spectrum Brilliant, thank you. So, uh, I'll get that. It's from Amber Trust. Indeed, yeah. Okay, thank you very much. Pleasure, love you to chat.
0: Thank you for listening to the Sensory Change Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please leave a review and don't forget to subscribe. For more information on sensory input and ideas, visit danaletta.com Join our community this month to get a free 7-day online course packed with practical sensory activities and strategies.